so-called pooled employer plans are getting a lot of attention, but do they live up to the hype? J.D. Carlson has strong feelings on the subject. The CEO of California-based TPA Plan Design Consultants is also host of Retireholics, a fun and informative weekly webcast that combines alcohol, adolescent hijinks, and serious discussions of the issues surrounding retirement plans. It's attracted some of the biggest names in the business, while also keeping people connected during the darkest times of the pandemic. Carlson didn't hold back, giving his frank opinions of PEPs and their retirement plan role moving forward. We also attempted to get revenge for anybody who's been in the Retireholics hot seat, but as with everything Retireholics related, it didn't go as planned. You'll find out why right after these messages. Retirement is changing. So is the way we plan for it. If you think retirement means you can't keep building for the future, that adventure is only for the young, or that long-term investing should stop at retirement, let's retire that thinking. And if you think every target date fund can deliver the same long-term results, let's retire that thinking too. Can I give my clients a target date fund that helps their employees retire their way? With Capital Group, I can. Visit CapitalGroup.com today. Talk to your financial professional for investment risks and information. American Funds Distributors, Inc., member FINRA. JD, I'd like to start out a bit contrarian this morning and have you say some nice things about Peps. Do they get anything right? Whoa, coming out of left field, you got to have me nice things about Peps. Yeah, sure. The retireholics curveball, man. I'm throwing <laughs> it right at you. I No, I, I've said this many times. I do think there's a situation where Peps make sense. I think if I'm a large national advisor shop, I've always played in the like, you know, 20 million plus type of market. Um, and I've never, I've never played in that small startup, small micro market because it just didn't make sense for me. Creating a pep for my firm, my national advisory firm. Uh, yeah, I think that makes sense. I've always said that it can make sense. Uh, my argument with peps is le- less about that and more about other things. <laughs> Well, let's get right into it then. Let's so I'll it. get comfortable with this next question because I know it's going to be a while. But what don't you like about PEPs? <laughs> um, I'll tell you what. Let me first be clear. Like, I'm an advocate for two things. Uh, the industry as a whole, first and foremost. And then number two, the advisor. You know, the advisor or specifically the advisor's role in retirement plans to me is the most important thing. It's paramount, right? And so I'm worried that with PEPs, the the industry short-term greed, you know, in trying to sell the, I don't know, the shiny new mousetrap is, uh, could have a bigger, more destructive impact for our industry in the long term, right? Um, I'm worried that we're teaching our clients that uh, we should be teaching our clients that helping them understand that, hey, this is, this is important stuff, right? There's some severity here in terms of running a retirement plan and not using the narrative of like, oh, this is, is going to be easy. You don't have to do anything. Get rid of your responsibilities. That's a direction that fuels this concept of our, of our services and our solutions like being a commodity, you know, and it's really a false statement in, in reality anyways. A successful retirement plan takes hard work. It takes commitment from all involved, and that means the plan sponsor, the advisor, the record keeper, et cetera, et cetera. So I just think it's the wrong direction. That's what I hate most about it. But do you see them evolving at some point to where you want them to be? I mean, is this just the early iteration where we have to work out the kinks? I like that you say that because I, I listened to a podcast recently. I think it was David Levine that was on Josh Itzo's podcast, and he was saying, hey, we need to understand something not all peps are going to be the same, right? There's Right now, we're seeing just multiple variations of what peps can be. So do I hold out for hope that there's going to be some good peps 
or some great peps, or you might even say some fantastic peps. Sure. I I think there's going to be some of those, but there's also this huge pitch right now, this huge push towards people who are after the evil money, right? And making a buck quick. And those are the ones I'm worried about, the ones that have conflicts of interest. And there's lots of those. And it's a scary world. And those are the ones I'd be more concerned about. Do I hope there's going to be some cool ones that do it right? Sure. And there will be. But is it holding back the ocean at this point? Is there popular popular use inevitable at this point? Or will the enthusiasm fade, do you think? (laughs) I personally... Don't think they're going to be, and I've said this on record all the time, I don't think they're going to have as big of an impact as some people think they're going to be. And I'm not alone in that opinion. There's lots of really smart thought leaders in our industry that are like, sure, fine, PEPs is going to be a thing, but it's not going to be this massive change in our industry. I mean, you, you look back to MEPs, right? MEPs were always a thing, and they, I would say they've basically failed in terms of creating a dent in our industry. I I think you're going to see the same thing with PEPs. They're going to find their niche. That's going to be fine. And and there's going to be certain firms that are going to succeed in using them, but they're, they're not going to be this massive change for our industry. And there's so many reasons why they won't, you know, they just, they don't have the bells, the whistles, the flexibility, the customization, the, I don't think they're in the best interest of the advisors and these things need to be sold. They're not going to be bought. And so you're going to have to convince advisors all over the country, small, medium, and large, that this is the way to go. And I don't think that's going to be a tough task. So that's a great segue to the next question. Is anybody, clients, colleagues, whomever, asking about them at this point? And if so, are you dissuading them? Yeah. You know, we work with a lot of key advisors and I think that they, I hope that they respect our opinion. And so they come to me, they come to my team, we have little discussions. And basically, what I'm, I am walking them off that, that cliff, and I'm talking to them about how they could create a PEP-like solution in a standalone 401k plan. Okay, so if you're into efficiencies and economies of scale, and I don't even if we'll get into that today, I know you keep these things short, but uh, and you're into uh, removing or helping a plan sponsor with their fiduciary responsibilities, you like the concept of a 316, you like the concept of a 338, and you as an advisor would like to create a more efficient kind of small plan market solution, I'm helping them create those without setting up in a PEP and just doing a standalone foreign K that do all those things. You hear me say it all the time, right? There's nothing that a PEP can do that a good old fashioned regular foreign K plan cannot. And so that's the counsel I'm giving advisors for the benefit of you, the advisor. If you really want to grow your practice and you want to be successful long-term the PEP's not the right solution for you. Let's create a PEP-like solution that does all those types of things, but still gives you the control over your clients, still gives you the flexibility to kind of bob and weave and evolve as things change and not get locked into this kind of this shiny new mousetrap that I talked about before, which is really just a lot of uh, smoke and mirrors. But do you have to get locked into it? I mean, are we just arguing semantics at this point? I mean, a PEP can really be anything, can't it? Well, you 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 are part of a of one plan, John. I mean, let's not forget you you are becoming part of this group plan. And if you talk to a pet provider behind closed doors, they would tell you that one of their biggest motivations in selling these is that they're going to be what the industry calls sticky, right? They're they're going to pe- clients are going to feel like they're stuck, they're inside of it. That might sound good to you as a vendor, 
but I don't think a client feeling stuck in something is something that's good for the client. And so, yeah, I, I'm not a fan of that. Yeah, good point. Um, look, I'm not going to be crazy enough to try and cut off J.D. Carlson. So if you want to talk about some of the skill, if you want to get okay. into some of the specifics, <laughs> I'm happy to do so. So I, like I said, you, you know, unleash, go for it. Okay. Well, if you, if you were to look at a PEP brochure, it's got some bullet points. And let's just focus on the main bullet points. The first one, which as I put a, a finger in my mouth as a fish hook and I get pulled across is the, uh, hey, let's take all these small plans, these you know startups, these $500,000 plans, these million dollar plans. Let's pool them together in this PEP. And then we're going to give you this, this small plan, the pricing of a $500 million plan or a billion dollar plan. And to me, one, you're not seeing that in the industry. So PEPs are not cheaper than standalone plans currently. And the reason why that is, and I can def- I'll defend the record keepers, think about doing the record keeping job. Is it really any easier to service 100 clients inside a PEP versus 100 clients outside of a PEP? Think about that for a second. You're still servicing the same CFOs, the same HRs, the same payroll providers. You still have a relationship with each of those 100 clients. Record keeping, John, has always been an asset gathering game. Record keeping works on economies of scale right now. That's what they do. So uh, uh, this just makes no sense from a record keeping perspective for it to be cheaper to offer a PEP. It doesn't. And if you talk to them, they'll tell you that. Like their job is just as difficult as it was in a standalone plan. So where's the economies of scale? They don't exist. And then furthermore, they'll tell you, okay, well, maybe this is the sales pitch. Okay, the pricing's not great now, but wait till this sucker grows to $100 million, $100, you know, $1 billion. Then we're going to reduce the pricing. Well, you really believe that? And, and are you going to lock, lock it in for that to hope and pray that it happens in the future? Let's go back to my first point. The record keeping is not any easier. And then there's another thing that gets lost is if you really look at this concept, I don't even want to call it a PEP concept because it's not unique to PEPs. But if you look at this concept of relieving someone of their fiduciary responsibilities, right? Having a 316 and a 338, is that a a luxury premier service? It is. So it costs money. It takes people. It takes time. I don't see PEPs achieving any kind of economies of scale or offering any lower pricing when you really compare apples to apples. It's just not going to happen. And it hasn't yet. So prove it to me. Where is it? It doesn't exist. So ultimately, PEPs are too good to be true. Well, from the pricing standpoint, they are. The the next big bullet point they have, and and when you hear them get up and and sell this stuff, is, is relieving you of your fiduciary responsibility. They say, oh, you're, you're a small plan and you don't want to have to deal with all those day-to-day things, right? The notices, the 5,500 prep, 5,500 signing, the timely deposits, the eligibility, they're going to take all that off of your plate. Well, John, that's called 316 fiduciary services. That, that, that exists today, that exists last year, that exists before we even knew what PEPs were. So I, there's plenty of great providers that do that. And if you're a plan sponsor, wouldn't you rather vet those out and choose the one that really fits with you and, and does those services the way that you want them to do, as opposed to it just being part of a bigger PEP? Um, so anyways, those things are not PEP qualities. 
those are 316 fiduciary qualities. So I wish they would stop shouting that from the rooftops and confusing their consumers and that the PEP is the one and only thing that somehow relieves them of their responsibility because it's, do we swear on this show or no? I don't know. It's a bunch <laughs> of- it. I want you to be it's, you. <laughs> it's a bunch of BS, you know? There you go. Now this is good. Uh, now that I've got you all riled up, you recently released the retire hall board on the poor sweet folks at 401k specialist. What's that about? Wait, I released and did what? Say it again. You recently released the retire holic horde on the poor sweet folks oh. at four hundred one k specialist. What what what's that about, JD? Wow, you, I you say that's all comes from me. That that is the masses, John. That is the people with their pitchforks and their burning wood. They're coming after you because they want to see retire holics on the cover. I simply wrote a post. It's being from my heart saying that I was sad. Well, I did nothing. Never yeah, I like this. Yeah. And then everyone jumped <laughs> like on. Claiming no everyone responsibility after the fact. Yeah. Zero. Where have we heard that before? Zero. So let me close by asking about a business adjustment, business model adjustment that you've had to make as a result of the pandemic that's working exceptionally well. What, what silver lining has come out of all of this from a business model standpoint for you? Well, I, I hate to focus on this on this show, but you know when we were doing retire holics pre COVID, uh, we would get together at the office and film, you know, on the couch, and you know it took a lot of work. COVID forced us to kind of go Zoom style on the internet, and we took that opportunity to go weekly. And so, since doing our show consistently every Thursday night, it's really grown our fan base in a huge way, right? We got way more attendees, way more engagement, way more interaction, which I could have told you before. But so, COVID forced us to go consistent, go weekly. And, um, and I appreciate that. That was a huge benefit for us. Uh, from a business standpoint, um, I don't know. I, I, in terms of doing administration compliance work as a TPA, we already had probably 60 to 70% of our staff working from home and that 95% of them could work from home when they wanted to. So that wasn't a massive change for us. You know, our stuff was already on the cloud, et cetera, et cetera. But communicating with clients via video chat has been fun. Like that's something that we never used to do. There was a lot of conference calls and a lot of, and so to be able to see people face to face online, and I know people are getting sick of zoom, but it's still cool to like see your clients and talk to them over the internet without having to, you know, suit up and drive down to their office. So I know that's a general answer, but I believe in that. It's been fun. Well, Steve Glasgow, our uh, February Tapo, had said that that's great, but a lot of people are actually not pricing that in and saying, well, we don't need it to be so expensive now because we're doing everything online rather than having to have you come down to the office. He's worried about that because, as he says, margins are already razor thin. Uh, do you expect mm -hmm. that maybe to be a problem? I, I actually am on the opposite. Uh, there's an advisor I won't name her because she hasn't given me the authority to do that, but who's looking at that in the opposite way to that gentleman where she's saying, hey – this has taught me that maybe I can create a more efficient solution for my clients that can be more affordable because I don't have to travel. And, and so I, I'm more the optimist that's like, okay, how can you create something using this new technology now that will take you a little less time and be a little easier for you to service your clients? And yeah, I've been passed along the savings to them. Yeah. Yep. Sorry to disagree with excellent. Mr. Glasgow, but yeah. That's all right. That's all right. It's uh, always uh, real, always honest, always great. J.D. Carlson, thanks so much for joining us. I do appreciate it. John, it's been absolutely fantastic. Retirement is changing. 
so is the way we plan for it. If you think retirement means you can't keep building for the future, that adventure is only for the young, or that long-term investing should stop at retirement, let's retire that thinking. And if you think every target date fund can deliver the same long-term results, let's retire that thinking too. Can I give my clients a target date fund that helps their employees retire their way? With Capital Group, I can. Visit CapitalGroup.com today. Talk to your financial professional for investment risks and information. American Funds Distributors, Inc., member FINRA.